first scripture reading is in the New Testament. It's the gospel according to John chapter 17. John 17, it's page 903 in your blue Bibles. As you may remember from our series in John that we did some while back, this is the prayer often called his high priestly prayer. It's one of the last things the disciples will actually remember Jesus saying before he's tried and crucified, because it will happen not long after this prayer. I won't read all of the chapter, I'm just going to read through parts of it, but I want you to pay attention to how he prays and what he is asking for. So John chapter 17, so when Jesus had spoken these words, all the words of chapters 14, 15, and 16, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh. To give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. And you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And he continues to pray for those whom the Father has given him and becomes even more specific, praying for the 11 disciples that are remaining at this point. And then he's going to expand out. So beginning at verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And now we turn to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And that's page 336, 1 Chronicles 4. I'm going to encourage you, stress as hard as I can stress with all kindness, to have your Bibles open to these two verses that we're going to read in a minute. Because this is where I'm going to be through the whole sermon. And I want your eyes on it. So 1 Chronicles chapter 4. You'll notice how the first eight verses go. The sons of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Rhea was the son of Shobal. And Shobal fathered Jahath, and Jahath fathered Ahumai, and so forth. And then suddenly comes verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. And then it goes right on. Jalob, the brother of Sheob, fathered Meher, etc. All that I've read to you and summarized for you is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, guide us. Guide us now and guide us throughout this new year. 
that we may be honorable people with new direction and new destiny. Amen. You may be seated. The sermon notes, there are real sermon notes now. They're on the back of the worship guide, and you'll see the four points that are there. And there's some questions at the bottom. Some years back, two Christians, Gary Smalley and John Trent, wrote a book called The Blessing. And for all of the pop therapy that the book was charged with and may have been guilty of, yet they made a profound point through their stories of kids who then became adults but were devastated because their parents did not speak and did not enact blessing on them. And then many kids who later became adults who were built up and made able to weather fierce storms because their parents had spoken and enacted blessings upon them. And then in 2000, Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez that made this passage we're going to look at this morning famous. Though the book, in my estimation, had significant issues here and there as it drew way too close in places to the health and wealth gospel way of things. And yet, Wilkinson hit on the importance of this prayer and he was getting at some of the right things. And so, on this first Sunday morning in 2022, I'm going to give you the Mike Philibur version and rendition of the prayer of Jabez. Whoop, whoop. You should be excited. So you already have the four points listed there. We're just going to work our way right through these two verses. Do please have your Bibles open. So notice the lead off. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. It's out of the blue. I mean, it is from nowhere. And it comes like a, he- a head-jerking break, kind of like uh, uh, rubbernecking in traffic, where everybody just kind of goes, right? Like, just like that. I mean, it's just that quick. It's just out of nowhere. I mean, the writer, in the first, actually since chapter 1, has been rehashing the lineage and the genealogy of this tribe and that. And here in chapter 4, he is really getting into the, the people of Judah, and he's doing so with nearly hypnotic The son of, the son of, the son of. He fathered, he fathered, he fathered, he fathered. And then, wham! Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. It just comes out of nowhere. Why would the editor, the writer, do such a thing? Well, there's at least two editorial purposes for doing this. First, it grabs your attention. Just as you are about, let's be honest, just as you are about to drift off into the dreamy la-la land of wandering realms, you know, right? With all the son of, son of, son of, father, father, father. And your eyes begin to blaze over. All of a sudden, Jabez was uh, more honorable than his brothers. Oh, where'd that come from? It's meant to grab your attention. But secondly, it sets these two verses off with flashing neon lights. Jabez is mentioned nowhere else in the scriptures... You don't know how he fits into the genealogy of Judah before or after or any of those things. So you know that this was intended by the author to really grab you and to set this story off. This two-verse story off with neon flashing lights. It's kind of like if you pick up a popular book these days. And as you open the pages and read through the chapters, now they're beginning to start putting in what they call breakout boxes. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's a box on the side of the text somewhere that's quoting something in the text because the author or the editor, it just depends on who did it, 
wants you to remember this statement, right? Something very similar to that. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. But there's something more happening here. As good, classic Protestants and Presbyterians, we believe that the writer who wrote these words is inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. And so the editor is giving us a Holy Spirit-approved assessment of Jabez. He was more honorable than his brothers. What he does here is he is giving us God's own assessment of Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, thus says the Lord. That's huge. This is God's own analysis of Jabez and what he has done. Further, we have a slightly unique word here for honorable. He was more honorable than his brothers. There's another word that's used more often in the Hebrew, kail, Boaz, the guy that marries Ruth, right? Boaz was a kail man. He was a, a virtuous, honorable man. But this word is different. It's a heavy word. It's the word kavod. It's the word glory. Such as when there's... Isaiah was in the temple and saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then he heard the seraphim, the fiery angels, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is is full of your kavod, your glory. Right? So Jabez was more gloriously honorable than his brothers, if you will. Jabez was honorable. Brilliantly, beautifully honorable. More so than his brothers... That could be referring to his immediate family, but in good Middle Eastern fashion, it probably means more honorable than most or all the men in the Judah tribe. This is a guy that God wants you to sit up and take notice of and learn from. Jabez was more honorable than his brother. But you may ask, and rightly so, what was it about him that was more honorable than his brothers? And it doesn't say just yet in verse 9, but we're going to find out in a few minutes. But the way we're going to see it is to see some of this honorableness is to see first how Jabez was led down. I'm kind of playing on the word led. Led down, how he was weighed down, burdened down, led, like heavy lead. He was led down, and that's the second part of verse 9. And notice what it says. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. In the Hebrew, it's a play on the word pain, right? So Jabez is almost the same consonants as the word pain. It would be if the mother was English or American, as if she had said, well, I'm going to call him pain, P-A-Y-N-E, because he caused me so much pain, P-A-I-N. Do you get the play? Pain, pain. Okay. My friends, think about that statement. This came rushing on me last Sunday evening. I was sitting here reading it. I had already had another sermon prepared for today, and it hit me last Sunday evening. It's huge. Think about this for a minute. Oftentimes, parents name their children for some event or for family, out of family heritage or so forth. In our family, there's a ton of Sean's and Michael's and Wayne's, and we're all somehow related, either through marriage or by blood or whatever. 
In a Native American circles, often a child is named because of either something that the mother or father saw happening around the time of birth or what the spiritualist, the shaman, would have said, seen in a vision, you know, a name. And I'm not making fun. I'm just making, just giving you an example. A name such as uh, rabbit that runs east with fuzzy tail. Come here, son. Right? I mean, it's just that simple. It's because of things that have happened, maybe. But there's something darker in this sentence. And his mother named him Pain, saying, because I bore him in pain. There's something darker here. Now, you know, you know this is the case because it's going to come out at the end of Jabez's prayer at the end of verse 10, that I may not cause pain or I may not cause me pain. You realize there's something darker here. Now look, on occasion in Scripture, God specifically commands directly certain prophets to name their children in ways that commemorate some aspect of divine judgment. For example, Hosea is told to name his child, one of his children, Lo-Ami, because Judah has become not my people. Right? That's what it means, Lo-Ami, no people. They've not become my people. Or name your other child, uh, Lo-Ruma, which means no mercy, because my people now have no mercy. Right? So he, some of them are directed to name their children based upon God's judgment. Think about Isaiah's kids. Have you ever tried to pronounce any of Isaiah's kids' names? They are like the unending, run-on names that are unpronounceable, and they are actually spoken at moments of God's judgment. So name your child this name, so he will always be a reminder to my people of my judgment. Now those are specific commands to specific people. But there are other times in Scripture when mothers named their children after grievous situations. For example, after Mother Rachel who had lost Joseph, had no idea where Joseph was, thought he was dead after Mother Rachel had given birth to her second and last son and lay dying. She called his name Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrows. But his father changed his name to Ben-Yamin, son of the right hand. If Mother Rachel had been allowed to have her way, do you not realize if she had been allowed to have her way, she would have shaped that young lad's life, all of his days, to live his life after her sorrow and death. And knowing how humans work with that kind of stuff, he would have borne that grief to his grave. I caused my mother's death. That's what my name means. It would have been a heavy load all his days. Thankfully, someone else thought better of it. Rachel would have set up a granite monument to her grief and made the boy carry it all of his days. Instead, Daddy Jacob thankfully thought better of it. But then you come back here and you realize that when Jabez's mother names him, there's no one around to think better of it. And so the mother erected a monument to memorialize her pain. She carved it in herself with chisel and hammer on this granite stone. Pain! Here, boy, bear it all your days. The mother erected a heavy monument to memorialize her pain, and she had the boy carry it all around his whole life. 
and whether she survived the birth or not. Or whether she did survive and she hounded the boy, just think how mothers do this sometimes. She hounded the boy, taunting him because, well, he hadn't taken out the trash that day. Or he hadn't helped to wash the dishes yesterday. Or he didn't do his laundry like he was supposed to last weekend. And then she might have said, maybe. You know, you caused me pain when I carried you those nine months, boy. And and you right nearly killed me, hurting me from the inside out when I gave birth to you. And now here you are doing it again, causing me pain because there's dirty dishes or dirty laundry or whatever. We don't know, but you can almost imagine it knowing humans. And I've heard dads say things like this as well. Whichever way it was, she succeeded in making Jabez lug around the monument of her grief, which grinds on a soul. It scars and it mars a mind. It can, and it often does, cause one to be led down and down and down. But then the more honorable than his brother's Jabez gets loaded up. And this is most of verse 10. So you'll see it says verse 10 in your notes. It says verse 10 A and B. I just mean all of it except for the last sentence. There you go. How's that? Okay. Loaded up. This is the only thing that Jabez does that he's remembered for. I find that pretty pronounced. If he was more honorable than his brothers, surely he did more things. Maybe it just doesn't tell us, but God does make sure to tell us this. He was loaded up with prayer. So I've given you three subpoints. Let me get to those in just a second. Notice that he's loaded up with prayer because that's the big theme or one of the major themes of First and Second Chronicles. The number of times that there is faith-filled, faithful prayer that keeps burbling to the surface. Think of the passage from 2 Chronicles that often gets quoted almost always at election season. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and heal their land. But that's in that stream of faith-filled prayer all the way through First and Second Chronicles. And notice what God has just done. He has put Jabez, whom nobody remembers, whom nobody can recount, he puts Jabez at the head of this honorable stream of faith-filled prayer. Do you get it? Jabez is the first. He launches off the whole theme of prayer in First and Second Chronicles. And so Jabez's prayer is loaded up with at least three things. And here they are. Number one. First, life-enriching prayer. Life-enriching prayer. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. Now, some have taken that statement, this request, in a health and wealth gospel direction, and that just seems clearly the wrong direction. We need to hear this prayer in its canonical context, in its inspired environs, if you will. To begin with, Jabez Jabez asks for a blessed blessing. That's the way it is in the Hebrew. That you would bless, bless me, is what he says, right? So it's an emphasis. And so some translations will say things like, that you would bless me indeed, showing the emphasis. And I wish the English Standard Version had done the same. That you would bless me emphatically. So that's what he says... 
And to blessing then in the Hebrew scriptures most times, not always, but most times, has far less to do with getting prosperous and has far more to do with God's promise to Abraham. If you were here last Sunday, I quoted two of these passages. Let me do it again. What blessings of Abraham are you talking about, Pastor? Genesis 12 and verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and in you, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Or as God said to Abraham sometime later in, in Genesis 22 verse 18, in your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Therefore, my friends, Jabez's prayer is a kingdom prayer that you would bless me, that I may become part of your extension of the Abrahamic blessing that's supposed to bless all the families and the nations of the earth. It's a kingdom prayer. It's a divine world rescue operation prayer. And this becomes clearer when you hear the second part, and enlarge my border. Now, Jabez like all of Israel at this point, had a tiny little sliver of God's promised land, of God's kingdom. He had a tiny little sliver. It was all divvied out. You remember when we, read, we went through Joshua? It was all divvied out. He had a tiny little sliver of God's kingdom. And so what does he ask? Enlarge my portion of your kingdom is what he is asking. Now what is that about? Well, remember, as we were reading through Joshua, how much of the land lay unclaimed? Do you remember the cursed Canaanites still had large regions, and most of Judah, and most of Benjamin, and most of Simeon, and most of Ephraim, and most of Manasseh did not go and pursue what they were supposed to pursue. Do you hear what Jabez is asking? Enlarge my piece of your kingdom. There's lots of unclaimed land here of this kingdom realm, enlarge my sliver as much as I can handle. Maybe it's what he meant by that, but enlarge it. Give me a little bit more of it. Something like Paul, who says similar things. For example, in 2 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul mentions three times in 2 Corinthians 10 that God had given him an area of influence. An area of influence, his sphere of influence. It's in 2 Corinthians 10, 13, 15, and 16. And very much like Jabez, as you read the end of Romans 15 and the end of 2 Corinthians, you realize that Paul is asking and desiring that God would make his area of influence just a little bit bigger. But Paul will not overextend his reach. So he's He's looking for the Lord to open those doors. It's a very similar type of prayer. That you would bless me and enlarge my board. Give me more of your world rescue operation. It's very similar to our Lord Jesus' prayer in John 17. Praying for the disciples. Praying for those whom the Father has given him. And he doesn't pray for the world, he says but for those whom the Father has given him. And then in verse 20, and for all those who will believe on me based on their testimony. It's a very similar kind of request. And so Jabez, in this prayer, just even this first portion, reflects 
kind of in advance, reflects our Lord in his own prayer a smidgen. My friends, in a New Year's kind of way, how fitting that we would pray this kind of kingdom prayer. That God would do this. Be pleased to give us a little bit more a part of his world rescue operation. Jesus promised that he would. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask of the Father in my name, I will give it to you that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus was not promising that if you ask for a $500,000 Bentley, by the way, that's the stripped down version. If you ask for a $500,000 Bentley, you will get it for sure. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the world rescue operation. If you pray like Jabez, it will happen. Because I go to the Father, and the Father will be glorified in me as you get more of the kingdom. And so he was loaded up with his life-enriching prayer, a prayer that would actually enrich the lives of others, that in him, by his work, the families of the earth and the nations of the earth would be blessed. And then Jabez's prayer is loaded up with lifted soul prayer. Notice the next line. And that your hand would be with me. And that your hand would be with me. My friends, without this lifted soul part of the prayer, then the life-enriching part, the very first part we've already talked about, would be impossible to sustain. Without God's hand being with us, it would be impossible. And notice that what Jabez is doing is he's here reflecting on the benediction in number six, the benediction that you hear every Sunday morning here. The Lord bless you and what? Keep you. Oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory, and keep me, that your hand would be with me. It's the same thing. He's praying scripture, by the way, if you didn't pick that up. So there it is. He's praying scripture. But, but very much what he's saying is exactly what Martin Luther recognized when he prayed. Martin Luther wrote a prayer that has now become, amongst Lutheran circles, called the sacristy prayer. And he prayed, and this is what he wrote. Now listen how this fits Jabez's prayer. Lord God, you have appointed me as a pastor in your church, but you see how unsuited I am to meet so great and difficult a task. If I had lacked your help, I would have ruined everything long ago. Therefore, use me as your instrument, but do not forsake me. For if ever I should be on my own, I would easily wreck it Oh, that you'd bless me and enlarge my portion of your kingdom and that your hand would be with me, that you'd keep me. And so Jabez's king, and so Jabez's kingdom prayer is make me more part of your blessing, all the families of the earth, enlarge my area of influence, but oh, please keep your hand on me to guide me. Keep your hand on me to restrain me. Right? Isn't isn't that part of God's grace that sometimes he restrains us and we, after it's all over, we give thanks and go, thank you, Lord, you didn't let me go down that alley because it would have been ugly. But I didn't see it then. Thank you for restraining me. Yes, that your hand would keep me, would guide me, would restrain me, would enrich me. And if not, then it will all go to pot. 
So Jabez's prayers loaded up with, li- with uh, life-enriching prayer, with lifted soul prayer, but then notice at the end, it is loaded up with liberation prayer. How does Jabez put it? And that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. Here he comes back to his name, the name that his mother carved out on that stone and threw on his back, pain. Here's how you know that Jabez's mother truly burdened him and weighed him down with her monument of grief and trauma. He cannot let it go. He has to bring it up in prayer. Now that statement there is rather fluid in Hebrew, so translations will differ a little bit. So if you pick up a New King James or the NIV or the English Standard Version, you'll notice some different changes here and there, but you get the point in the end. Jabez is crying out, set me free from the hostage situation my mom put, put me in, those futile ways inherited from my parents, to paraphrase 1 Peter chapter 1, 18. Jabez is crying out for, he is, Jabez is crying out for a new denominator, that I would no longer be known just as Jabez, the pain, but now the blessing. He's crying out for a new denominator. He's crying out for a new direction. That I would not be the dispenser of pain. I would not be the spreader of pain. But instead of the blessing, a new direction and a new destiny. So he's crying out for a new denominator, a new direction and a new destiny. No longer pain, but blessing. And notice that Jabez is not doing what many Americans do in our day. He's not shifting his blame onto his mother by... Right? He's not saying, I can't do anything because my mom did all those things to me. In fact, he knows the only place he can go where he can find liberation is to Yahweh himself, to the Almighty God. I'm not going to sit here and be the permanent professional victim all my days. I'm going to run to the one who is the liberator. The one who said, after he set his people free from Egypt, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That's why his prayer, it says, begins with, and he cried to the God of Israel. He knew he was talking to the God who can and does liberate his people. I know it's a little warm in here. I know it's the first of the year, but that should be exciting. It's who he's crying out to. And that's what his prayer is about. He's not shifting the blame back onto his mother, but he's moving upward. He's passionately calling out to the liberating one. Oh, dear Christians, you too, with even greater certainty and with greater confidence, can do the same. I cannot let these two verses from 1 Peter go. You need to hear them and you need to drink them deep. You need to eat them. You need to sleep with them. You need to etch them on your hands. Not literally, I'm not into tattoos, okay? I know I've got some, but don't go get tattoos. But you need to actually put this all over your life. Knowing that you were ransomed, bought out of your slavery, bought out of your hostage situation... You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Well, with what? With the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You have that guaranteed in the blood of Christ. You have the liberating God liberating you. Maybe 
Winston Churchill was correct. Winston Churchill had a horrible relationship with his father, Lord Randolph. And I was reminded of again this week, his father ignored him. Seemed to despise him, would go to speak, so he always shoved him into a boarding school. Him and his mom, uh, Randolph and, and, and Churchill's mom, would shove him into a boarding school and almost never see him. Though Lord Randolph would speak to a large audience right across the street from the boarding school, he would never come across the street to visit his son. So maybe Winston Churchill was correct as he reflected upon his own father's emotional brutality toward himself when he wrote these words. Famous men are usually the product of an unhappy childhood. And you could add to that, famous women are usually the product of an unhappy childhood. And Jabez is an example of that. Jabez became a bright light in a bleak season because, notice, Jabez's prayer is not drenched with victimhood and defeat. Instead, Jabez's prayer is drenched, saturated with faith with confidence, with trust in the liberating God, Jabez truly was more honorable than his brothers. And so, as almost a divine exclamation point, you know all of this is the case because he lands right. And notice the last statement of verse 10. And God granted what he asked. I don't know what else to say about this. Just a couple things and we're just going to get ready to wrap up because that statement says everything. God granted Jabez's life-enriching request. God granted his lifted soul appeal. God granted his liberation entreaty. And God granted what he asked. God answered Jabez's prayer then, but I want you to realize he is still, hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, he is still answering Jabez's prayer. Two ways at least. Number one, Jabez is a type of the praying, interceding Messiah, Jesus, who prays on behalf of his people, those whom you've given me and those who will believe in me based upon their testimony. He is an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is a type of the interceding Messiah, Jesus. So the Father is still answering his prayer. But the Father is still answering his prayer in another way. Just us stopping and spending time on these two verses about Jabez. Notice that Jabez is not, is not causing you pain. Instead, he is a channel of blessing to you. Jabez is a, is a channel of blessing to you. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, it's time for us to reassess. We've had two miserable years. It's time for us to re reassess, to make 2022 the year that we join Honorable Jabez. Let us implore the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to make us a life-enriching people who live his lifted soul, with his lifted soul's sustenance and step forth in his cross-made liberation. 2022. I'm not going to let Jabez's prayer go for a little while. You're going to hear it again and again. 
Let's make 2022 that year. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much for this testimony, being here just out of the blue, in Scripture, in the midst of a genealogy. Give us ears to hear it. Give us hearts to gain from what we see here. Thank you, Lord God, if nothing else. Thank you for the fact that we are reminded that you are the liberation God. And here's an example of you liberating someone who cried out to you. There may be some watching, there may be some listening to this over uh, audio files, or maybe some who are here who are carrying around a granite monument that has been chiseled with the testimony of misery on their backs for some time. Oh, dear God, may this lift their hearts. You are a God who cares about those things. Give them a new denominator. Give them a new direction. Give them a new destiny. For Christ's sake, amen.